Hello, Monetization Nation. Today, I have Eric Deckers with me. Eric is a professional blogger and the co-author of Branding Yourself and No BS Social Media. Eric has been blogging since 1997 and has been a newspaper humor columnist since 1994. This should be fun. Thank you so much for joining us today, Eric. You're welcome. Thank you. So can you start off by sharing with us something that you are super passionate about? Um, it's, it's writing in general. Uh, I love writing. I've been fortunate enough to make that my profession. It's also what I do as a hobby. It's even what I do as a sideline. Uh, I help other people ghostwrite books. <clears throat> and so just being involved with words and language and things like that and being able to to do it for entertainment would be interesting enough, but I actually get to make that my living. Can you share with us your journey, your story of how you became this expert in blogger and in blogging and branding and social media? I had moved to Indianapolis from Northern Indiana around 2006. I got a job in the state health department doing risk, uh, risk and crisis communications. And when I left there, I didn't know anybody. Like I, I'd worked in the city, I'd been in the city and I knew, you know, anybody that I knew out in the real world, uh, I could count two people. And I had just gotten a job as the director of sales and marketing for a direct mail company where I was supposed to know a lot of people. And so I immediately, and this was uh, late 2007, like August, 2007, I immediately started networking. I joined networking groups. I went to like the chamber of commerce business after hours, started meeting people at those events, inviting them for coffee. And we would go have one-on-one -on -one discussions. And I must've drunk gallons of coffee just month after month after month, just meeting all these people. And that was the same time that social media started becoming a thing. And I joined Twitter in December of 07. Uh, we couldn't even get on Facebook then if you weren't a college student. Uh, but there was a, a local social network in Indiana called uh, Smaller Indiana. <clears throat> and several of us got to know each other there. And we, you know, we built up this network of prof creative professionals who we would meet uh, for one-on-ones. We would meet for just organized lunches. Uh, anytime we added a thousand members to the network, we'd actually have a, a party, uh, you know, one weekend night, uh, and just have a couple hundred people show up. And so after about three years of this, I had helped a friend, uh, co-author, I, I ghosted half of Twitter marketing for dummies. And we decided we wanted to write another book and we were trying to think of a topic and, and uh, Kyle Lacey, who's my co-author, he said, we need a roadmap for the guy who was you three years ago to tell him how to become the guy you are now, 2009, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people, you're, you're big in the social networks. You do a lot of blogging. At that point I was writing blog articles every single day and, and reposting them on my social networks on the two that I was in at that time. And, uh, and he said, we need to help the, the 2007 guy become the 2009 guy. Let's write a playbook on what that looks like. And that's how we came up with branding yourself. And wow. so we wrote that book. And then I wrote uh, the following year, I wrote no BS social media with my friend, Jason Falls. 
And then we did the second edition of branding yourself the year after that. And so, and so then I just got into this grind of writing books, doing social and serving clients. And so I've been doing that now for 12 years. And what kind of consulting work do you specialize in? Uh, I ghostwrite blog articles for B2B companies. Nice. So it's, and it's a nice little niche because, uh, you know, we focus on quality of content and sort of the serendipity of content marketing. We're less worried about, uh, about views and eyeballs and whether, you know, our analytics drop, uh, you know, two tenths of a point in one day. We don't have to freak out about that. We just have to make good content that is interesting and appeals to a small niche audience. In this storied career you've had, what is the greatest home run you've hit? There, I, I would say there've been a couple. One is just the, the books, uh, you know, just having written books. There are not many people on earth who say they've done that. And I've done that if you count uh, the ghostwriting and, and other books I've helped ghostwrite, I've done that six times. So that's one thing, just the literary output that I'm proud of. And the other thing is owning a business for 12 years when I never intended to own a business in the first place. I just sort of fell into it. Uh, but the fact that I've been able to make a go of this and support my family for 12 years, uh, I'm still, there are still days I don't believe I did that. What's the biggest failure or mistake you've made and, and what'd you learn from it? Um, we had a client who we were doing some hyperlinking on his blog articles that were supposed to point back to his main website. And uh, we had linked them incorrectly and found it. The guy, the guy found it and said, you know, I saw this, this is terrible. This is awful. Uh, you have to fix this. And he was envisioning it was going to take us weeks to fix uh Thanks to a plugin on WordPress, it took me 30 minutes to fix everything. But he said, this was a terrible mistake. You guys are fired for this. And it wasn't our biggest client in terms of money, but it was our biggest client in terms of workload. And, uh, and when he left, I had so much time freed up. And I didn't lose as much money. And so one of the important lessons I learned other than, you know, leadership, I'm the final, I'm the final approval on something and I need to check everybody's work. But the other lesson was, uh, we needed to raise our prices. I was, we were working hard for very little money and we weren't being valued appropriately. And we could actually cut our workload and make more money if we priced ourselves accordingly, basically okay. priced ourselves what we were worth. What is your best monetization story or secret? In terms of, of just, you know, monetizing myself, most cost-effective ways I have uh, found is just speaking professionally. You know, I can get paid $3,000 plus travel expenses to go give a talk for a day. And so, you know, I travel the day before, I travel the day after, or, you know, I can cut a day out of that. And so I make the most amount of money, but in order to be able to prove that I had knowledge that people wanted to hear, I needed to write those books. So I didn't make much money off of the books. Like I didn't get huge royalty checks because of branding yourself. Um, I think I've made a few thousand dollars over 10 years with that oh like spread over 10 years. Not you're even in the year. third edition, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but where I made the money was 
being able to hold it up for a conference organizer and say, look, I wrote this. I can come talk about this. And they think, oh, it's a, it's not, not only is it a book, it's a thick book. You must really have a lot in the tank to, to come talk to us about that. And there are people who they will write a 40, 60 page ebook about a topic. And that impresses the conference organizers enough uh, to hire them to come speak. So anybody who's looking to make money, find something you are an expert at, not just you know a lot about, you're an expert at this and write a book about it and then start sharing it with people. And, you know, especially the conference organizers, especially the conference organizers that pay you. And, uh, and you know, that's a great way to make money. Because it establishes your credibility. Yes. I assume you're credible if you've taken the time to research and write a book. Yes. Do you have any advice or examples or stories of people you've seen that have used credibility marketing well? Um, I think a lot of my own clients have done this. Um, I had a client, uh, she ran a mystery shopping agency. And when I started working with her, she had, there were four people in her business, uh, her, her assistant and two part-timers. And they were doing, you know, gross revenue was like three quarters of a million dollars, not very much. So we started blogging for her and just all these articles were written by her. They were published under her name on her agency. And uh, we were doing it first once a week and then upped it to twice a week, publishing anything and everything on, uh, on mystery shopping and, and why companies needed mystery shopping and how people who wanted to become mystery shoppers, what are the scams to watch out for? How do you do this work? Uh, and then topics like why do wireless companies need mystery shoppers or why do multifamily dwellings need mystery shoppers? And so we started working with her in 2010 and within four years, she had tripled her business, tripled it again, got a million dollar contract with a national wireless company and tripled her business one more time. And so within five years, she had 27 people and was doing several million dollars in revenue. And she had been not just asked, begged and pleaded with to serve on the board of directors for the national mystery shopping association, all because she was the face of this agency and it was her content that was constantly being put out there. So it wasn't just the, the agency that was doing this thing. It was Kimberly. Kimberly was, you know, was the name in the face. And she was getting interviews from news stations. You know, come, come on the show and talk about mystery shopping. We've seen these mystery shopping scams. Come talk about those. And so she became that, that influencer before the, we knew what influencers were. And, uh, and she was able to market her credibility just by sharing all this knowledge. And so kind of the lesson that, that I took away from that is that companies, maybe not the large corporations, but smaller companies would do well to have one or two people who are the faces of the company. The content that gets produced is, is their content. You know, they're doing the podcast, they're doing the videos, they, they write the blog articles, even if you ghost it for somebody else, you know, or somebody else ghost it for them, publish it under their name. So they become that face and they become that expert. They become the superstar of the company. And a lot of people then want to buy from that person 
even if they're not the salesperson, they want to buy from the company that hired them. I love it. So Russell Brunson talks about uh, creating an attractive figure, I think is, is the word or attractive personality is the one that he, as he describes this principle, you're, you're basically saying people connect with people, not businesses. And mm-hmm. instead of the business doing marketing, you put a face there, they're going to connect with the person and you've kind of created a celebrity as well. And as you do events and ads and things, um, there's a lot of value that comes yep. with that. Well, I mean, look at Anthony Fauci. He sort of became the face of the government's COVID response. There were a lot of people doing it, and there were a lot of people who were in the news and in the spotlight, but who's the one name we all know from that? It's Anthony Fauci. And and to a a different degree, Zappos, the shoe company, before they got bought out by Amazon, all the employees were encouraged and and almost, almost required to be on social media, to blog, to form connections with their customers because their customers would call them back when they needed to make more orders. You know, it wasn't just, I'm calling Zappos to get a pair of shoes. It was, I'm calling my friend, Nathan, who works at Zappos to get a pair of shoes. Yeah. What and a so, great example. So you had hundreds of people who were the face of Zappos. Thank you so much, Eric, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, books give us credibility because they show that we're experts at whatever the subject is. When someone has written a book, we assume they've done a research on that subject or that they have a lot of experience with it. Number two, people connect with people, not businesses. Instead of the business doing the marketing, we can put a face on the content and the marketing and people will likely connect with a person who is seen as an expert and want to do business with them. Number three, we should check our work before it is sent to clients or published. Number four, we often undervalue ourselves, but we need to try to make sure we're charging the correct price for our services. To learn more about or connect with Eric, you can find him on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also visit his website, problogservice.com, or check out his books. You can find links to each of these sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. You can also get a free copy of my ebook, Passion Marketing, and learn how to become a top priority of your ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. You can also subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook group, and on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in growing your credibility. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.